Good morning, church family. I am so grateful and honored to, to be here with you all. So happy to be here on our now second Sunday of 2023. And uh, I will tell you, as I was thinking about this, um, this sermon that I'm going to be getting into uh, for this morning, this, um, this Sunday, I believe pretty much pretty close, marks our one-year anniversary of being here with you all. And uh, I tell you, it just feels like the other day when, uh, when, we, when we moved here and so many of you were at our house and helping us move our boxes in. And I remember that, uh, that first Sunday coming up and we all gathered down here up front and you all prayed over us and prayed over our family. And uh, I will tell you, this, this last year um, has been one of the best years of our family's lives. I, it honestly was... Uh, and I, can, I think I can say this for Tiffany, and I, I can say this for all of my children, uh, that moving here and accepting this work to be here with you all, literally the best decision that our family has ever made. Um, we, uh, we feel like you know, we're finally getting established in this place over this last year. We've been putting some roots in, if you will, and, and uh, really feeling like that we're finally starting to get to know this foreign land known as West Texas uh, a little bit better. Um, I get a kick when I, I tell all the people back home in Tennessee about these high boobs that we have every now and then. You know, we had one the other day. But, uh, but anyway, I just want to say before we get into what I really want to talk about this morning, um, and, and I mean this, I mean this with all of my heart, it is my honor, it is my privilege to serve you all. I love, 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 love being your minister. I truly do. Um, thank you, Maxan. Uh, last year around this time, I started off, if you remember, I'm trying to figure out the, where's the best point this up here maybe. If you remember last year, I started off with a series that I called Upreach, Inreach, and Outreach. And this was a vision that we talked about for the year of 2022. And, and I shared with you back then that this is a vision for ministry that the Lord has been growing in me, has been revealing to me and showing me for the better part of probably about 14 years. And the idea for this, the, the idea for this, uh, this ministry, and I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because there may be some people who were not here back then, but I want to kind of give you the idea behind it one more time, if you will, just in summary form. But the idea comes out of Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. And I want you to understand this vision for ministry. In the first century, one of the things that the religious leaders like to do, and this was mainly the Pharisees, but the Sadducees did this as well, is they wanted to say, you know, if, if you could boil down all the law and the prophets, if you could boil down all of God's commandments, what are the most essential? What are the main ones? If you could just boil it down to its most essential, if you followed these particular commands, then your compass would more than likely point true north that you would be on your way to fulfilling God's will for your life, that you would be on your way to learning what it means to live a holy life, to live an obedient life, to, to serve God with all of your heart. And so they argued back and forth. They went back and forth. And just like today, back then, there were different religious groups in Judaism. And you had some religious groups that emphasized some commandments, and you had other religious groups that emphasized other commandments. And again, like I said, they argued about which ones were more weighty, which ones were more essential, which ones were at the very, very top of the list. And so the Pharisees come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, 
And they're wanting to stir up trouble. And basically, they come to him, and they, they're asking him a question. And we're going to talk about it in just a second. But they say, Jesus, which ones do you say are the most important commandments? And you know what they're trying to do. They're trying to catch Jesus in some kind of catch-22. They're trying to get him to say something that's going to endear him to one side while ostracizing him against the other side. They're trying to stir up trouble. But I want you to watch very carefully what Jesus does here as he begins answering their question in a way that at first would have disengaged them a little bit and made them less confrontational. He says this, he quotes the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, something that the, the Jews recited every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? You remember this, right? They, re, they said it twice a day back then. Jews that are uh, very uh, traditional Jews today, they say it twice a day even today. Now, with all this background, I want you to read this with me, how Jesus responds. Which are the greatest commands? Verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the biggest one? What's the most weighty? What's the numero uno, the number one commandment? And Jesus answers in verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now I want you to watch what Jesus does next in here. He doesn't mention the Sabbath. He doesn't mention food laws. He doesn't mention anything like that. He quotes Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. And he says these words in verse 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then look what he says in verse 40. He says all. Now there's a lot of CR in people. So help me out here. He says all. That's good. I love that. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in other words, Jesus, Yeshua, our teacher, our rabbi, he says, if you were to take all of God's commandments, and if I were to ask you, what are the, what are the commandments? Probably most of us would probably start with the big 10, right? But you could take the big 10 and divide those up. And if you had two hooks on your corner of your wall and you put love the Lord your God with all your heart and love others as you love yourself, you could hang the other 10 on those two. And then you could hang the other 610 or whatever it may be that's in the rest of the Old Testament, either on one hook or on the other. He says, if you've got those two, then you are well on your way to fulfilling the law, the law of God. Now I want you to notice what he elevates. Our, our teacher, Jesus, says that the number one and number two commandment in all of God's word is simply what? Love. Love God and love others with all of your heart. And here's what blows my mind. When God started showing me these things, in the Bible, I realized that uh, later on as I read the Gospels that that's exactly the model that Jesus himself modeled. Think about it. You guys have been studying the Bible your whole lives. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Think about the examples of Jesus' life. Think about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Think about all the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus said. Is he not the most perfect model for ministry? And what was it that guided his principles in ministry? He loved God with all of his heart. Can anybody doubt that? And because he loved God with all of his heart, he loved others exactly the way that God loved him. And then as I kept reading again over the period of the last 14 years, I was like, wow, this was the model that Jesus had for his ministry. But then over time, I began to read the book of Acts. 
and I saw what happened to those, those first century Christians, you know, the ones that were infilled with the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts chapter 2. And when you read all of the book of Acts, all the way through, is that not the same model of ministry that the early Christians had? They love the Lord with all of their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. And when you read throughout the entire book of Acts, they loved others as they loved themselves. And then I noticed all throughout the rest of the New Testament, I would read the writings of Paul, and I would see upreach, inreach, outreach, all throughout the letters of Paul. Paul loved the Lord with all of his heart, and because of that, he poured out that love on the Gentiles. That was his primary ministry. Peter, same thing. And in fact, when you read a lot of the rest of the letters in the New Testament, whether it's the letters of Paul, whether it's the letters of Peter, whether it's Jude, whether it's any other writer in the New Testament, all of them keep going back to this one principle, love. It starts with God. He loves us. We receive His love. We're transformed by His love. That allows us to reciprocate His love. And because of that love pouring over into our lives, into the lives of other people, it allows us, it frees us, it empowers us to be able to love other people the same way that God loves us. Now, so basically, what the Lord showed me is what I now like to call upreach, inreach, and outreach. Actually, I like to call it something else. I just didn't write it on the board. But uh, I, I, I like to say it like this. To know Him and to follow Him and to share Him. That makes it a little bit more personal, doesn't it? To know Him and to follow Him and to share Him. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this last year. Okay? I have a, a war board, if you will, in my office, and several of you have seen it, but it's a, a war board that kind of follows this, uh, this whole idea. But last year, I didn't have a chance to do all three. I tried to. I made a commitment to, but I only got about one-third one of the way there. And so last year, if you remember, I focused very heavily, most of my preaching, most of my teaching, a lot of what I did outside of the church, I focused very heavily on upreach. Now let's talk about this for a moment. Upreach is what? Upreach is about our relationship with God. It's the vertical relationship. Jesus says these words, and, and by the way, let me, let me see if I can go back here. This side right here, this arrow that comes down, signifies the love that God pours out first. Let me tell you something. You can't have a relationship with God except for the fact that God acted first in the relationship. Amen? Let me put it to you this way. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. He says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, in that while we were still yet sinners, before you could do anything right or before you could do anything wrong, He says Christ died for us. See, that's what God did on the cross for you. I want you to look at this graphic up here. I tried to do my best. Man, I was up till 2.30 in the morning last night trying to put this together. I don't do PowerPoints well, but here we go. All right? But this idea is, is that God is the first mover, right? He pours out His love. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, what did He accomplish? His birth, His life, His ministry, His teachings, 
His words, His examples, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ongoing life, His ongoing uh, standing for you at the right hand of the Father and interceding for you. Literally everything that Jesus has done, is doing, and will do is simply to do what? To show you and help you to be transformed by His love. And so that's what this graphic represents up here. You see a cross, but you also see what? A dove. Because remember remember what that dove represents. You and I belong to a new covenant. One that's way better than the Old Testament covenant. In the Old Testament covenant, God told you what was right and what was wrong. But you didn't have the empowerment to live it. You just had to realize that God was just and that you were condemned under the law. And that you had to depend upon those sacrifices every single year to justify you before God. But it did not take away sin and it did not take away the desire to sin. But this is why the new covenant was so much better. Because Jesus poured out his blood and through that he could remove sin and create a safe space, a place of grace for him to then pour out his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And this Old Testament covenant says that he takes that law and miraculously through the Holy Spirit he writes that law on your heart. So not only does he give you the desire to want to obey him, but he also gives you the empowerment to be able to obey him. So that's what this represents up here. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, what's the point of God pouring out his Holy Spirit in the life of the church? He's here to transform us. That's what this graphic up here is all about. He comes down. We have the Holy Spirit to produce what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He comes down to move us, to shape us, to equip us, to empower us, to be able to do God's will. Now watch this. What is the natural result of a life when you learn how to be accepted by God? When you learn to really walk in His forgiveness... When you realize that the chains have been broken and you start to see your life being lived in a way that you've never experienced before, when you over time start seeing more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, what is the natural overflow of that? Praise and worship. And that is the arrow that goes back the other way. This is a cycle, if you will. It's loving God back. And in the church, we call it praise and worship. But notice, praise and worship can never be what it should be unless people in the church are so first filled with the love of God, experiencing the Holy Spirit, and are being transformed by the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. It is only when that happens that you can actually praise and worship the way God intends, from the heart, not through rote ceremonialism and religion. But here's the thing. In order for us to be able to fulfill the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, individually, through devotion, collectively, in the body of the church, in order to do that, we have to first learn how to receive the love that God has for us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you what the enemy has done in our modern churches. He has short-circuited this whole process through what I believe is a false doctrine of cessationism. That's why I spent so much time last year preaching about the Holy Spirit. 
That's why we spent so much time last year talking about the Holy Spirit because the problem is most of us struggle with receiving God's love because most of us have never actually experienced God's love. A lot of people have not learned how to walk in God's love and a lot of people have it because we've been taught that He does not work today like He did in the first century. I will tell you from this pulpit that is false. God is the same today as He was yesterday. God is going to be the same tomorrow as he is today. But most don't know and have never been taught how to receive God's love, how to operate and live within his love through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So again, last year, we preached about the Holy Spirit for a long time. Some felt it was maybe a bit too long. But I decided to take us through the whole Bible. I got started and I didn't want to stop. We started in Genesis, we round up in the book of Revelation, and we trace this theme of the Holy Spirit all the way through. And my whole prayer, my aim through that, was to hopefully maybe have you understand a few things about the Spirit that maybe you've never seen before. But more importantly than that, I wanted you to be able to experience and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that maybe you've never experienced before. And that's why also, too, if you remember, we did a 14-week discipleship workshop on how to practically walk and live in the Holy Spirit. Some of you came to it. If you remember, we went through that and we were looking to learn how to recognize His activity in our lives. We were looking to, to understand, to, 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 to learn how to hear God's voice, how He speaks through the Bible, how He speaks today through dreams and visions in different ways. And my prayer then... It's the same prayer that I have today is that more and more and more we will be awakened in our generation to the presence of God's power and to the presence of His Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be transformed and so that we can transform this church and ultimately so that we can transform Snyder, Texas. Amen? Now this year, my preaching and teaching emphasis will not be on upreach. We're going to focus more on inreach and outreach. I want to talk about that here in just a moment. But here's one thing that I'm very, very excited to announce. And this is something that I'm working on for the spring. And if I think my clicker might be getting a little low. This spring, I'm going to be starting what I call a school of the spirit. And uh, it'll be a lot like what we did before. Um, we're planning to offer, I think we're going to try to do 12 sessions the difference between this time and last time, what we did last year, is I'm going to try to do, it, try to do a little better job. <laughs> last year was the first time I'd ever taught this material. I'd been living it for many, many years. Um, but this upcoming year, I, what I plan to do is offer 12 weeks, intensive, hands-on, practical training, probably about 12 sessions on the things of the Spirit. And hopefully I plan to do this a little bit more organized, have a little bit more material, maybe cover a few more topics and things as we do this. But, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to be thinking about this and I want you to be praying about this. If you feel a calling inside of you to engage in the spiritual disciplines, the same things that you see Jesus doing in the Bible when he would go off alone to pray, when he would pray and fast, when he would have dreams and visions. If you want to experience and, and explore more of these things, then I would ask that you think about joining our School of the Spirit here in the spring. Some of the things that we're going to do, we're going to practice like Jesus did, spending quiet time with God. We're going to pray and fast together. Uh, we're going to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and learn how he communicates in multiple different ways. We're going to look at dreams and visions and learning how God supernaturally calls you and not only calls you but equips you 
for ministry. I've said this from the pulpit many times. I'm going to say it again. Every one of us has a ministry. A lot of us are sitting on it and we don't even know what it is or we don't know how to use it. It's time to dust that off and use it in 2023 for God's purposes. Amen. Now, the second direction of faith that I want to talk about this morning is in reach. And this second part of our relationship here is, is, is all about our relationships with each other. And going back to that first graphic, if you can picture it in your mind, when we have the vertical relationship with God where it needs to be, when we're walking in His love, we're practicing His grace, we're experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, the result is praise and worship, then that allows us to then properly learn how to relate with one another the way that we need to, the way that the Bible calls us to. You know, when I think about inReach, I think about all those one another passages in the Bible. You know, there's over a hundred of them. But when you read the New Testament, the Bible tells us, for example, to love one another. Through love, serve one another. To tolerate one another. Boy, that's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? Be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. And I literally could go on and on. I double-checked this last week. There are over 100 one-another verses in the Bible, and every single one of them are written to the church, written to Christians, to teach them basically three things. You can take all 100 of these things, and they're trying to hammer home three main principles for the church. Number one, how to live in unity. Boy, don't we need that one today. How to live in unity. Number two, how to love one another. Do we need more of that in the church? You bet we do. And thirdly, how to, boy, this is a big one, how to live in humility with one another. Three main emphases. So here's one thing that I want to announce this morning. One of the main emphases that I plan to have this year with my teaching and my preaching is to help us learn how to do that. How can we live together better in the church? How can we relate with one another better in the church? How can we relate with one another more than just a corporate body of people, but more as a Holy Spirit presence of people in within each other? One of the things I plan to do this year is take us through the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to do the Gospel of Matthew a little bit differently than maybe you've experienced it in the past. A lot of people don't realize this, but Gospels... Uh, the, the the Gospel of Matthew was actually written as a compilation of all of Jesus' teachings. When you read the Gospel of Matthew, it's completely different than all the rest of the Gospels. Why? Because Matthew took all the teachings of Jesus and he put them in topical format. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the early first century Christians, you know what they did with the Gospel of Matthew? They used it as a manual for discipleship and life in the church. We're going to do the same thing. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. Because Matthew is arranged five different ways in five different topics. So we're going to do five, what I call, mini-series through the Gospel of Matthew. And we're just going to do them on and off. But throughout the year, we're going to do these little mini-series through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to talk about life in the kingdom, part one. The mission of the kingdom. The mysteries of the kingdom. Life in the kingdom, part two. And then finally, the consummation of the kingdom. And of course, that's talking about when our Lord and Savior returns. And so just as the early church used this gospel as a manual for discipleship, as a manual for inreach, how to live as the Christian community, this preacher is going to try to do the same thing. All right? Now, one of the ways that we can show love toward one another in the church is through our church ministries. There's a lot of good ministries that are going on here. 
And for the year 2022 and looking forward to the year 2023, I want to praise you. If you are involved in ministry in this church, if you do things, and, and Augustine, I'm going to pick on you, even as simple as taking flowers and handing them out to all the... He, look, he's a Latino, but he's turning red. Look at that. Do it. Look at there. Even giving out flowers is a ministry of the church, an encouraging ministry of the church. One of the ways that we show love is through the ministries that we currently have. But I want to announce a new ministry that is being worked on right now by our elders. And I'm super excited about this because one of the things that we plan to have in place this year are small groups. Small group ministry. Um, why are small groups important? Because this is where inreach happens. Inreach happens in small groups. In the various ministries of the church, we can show love to others, we can serve, but here's what happens in small groups. In small groups, we get to practice the one another verses in the Bible, don't we? In small groups, not only do we get to show love to other people, but we also get to learn how to practice receiving love from other people as well. And a lot of times we're pretty weak on that in the church, and small groups gives us an opportunity. But here's the thing, church, we want to minister to you. We don't, want to, we don't want to have a church where you're just a spectator, where you just come on Sunday morning and you look at the back of the, the head that's in front of you. That's not where ministry takes place. We want this to be a place where we take it deeper, where we have real deep relationships with each other. We want this to be a place where you have bonded so closely with everybody in this church, you can't wait to come back and be a part of the small group that you're in. And you know what else? As ministers, Luke, I'm sure you know this, a lot of times, because there's so many of you and there's so few of us, we drop the ball when it comes to taking care of members. Guess what? In small groups, you don't have that problem. Because we don't let anybody fall through the cracks. Why? Because we get to know everybody's needs. We get to know where everyone is spiritually. We learn how we can pray for one another. We learn how we can serve one another. We learn what the needs are. And collectively as a body, we can work together like the first century to meet those needs. That takes place in the context of small groups. The best way to do that, we believe, is more intimate groups that are designed and intentional to show and receive love the way God has called us to. Then finally this morning, the third direction of faith concerns those who are outside the church. Outreach. And again, when, when this relationship is where it needs to be, when this relationship is where it needs to be, when you are in your small groups and you're growing in ways that you've never grown before, when your marriage is growing in ways that you've never experienced before, when those addictions are starting to fall off, when that excitement is starting to build inside of your heart, when that fire in your belly is starting to be stoked, that love naturally pours over into the relationships all around you. You can't help but have it pour into the relationships all around you. You know why? Because you want other people to be able to experience what you're experiencing right here at the Eastside Church of Christ. So, excuse me. <clears throat> so I'm grateful that I get to be a part of a church that every January we have what's called what? Missions Month, right? And, and I'm not going to be preaching for the next few weeks. And guess what I'm going to be working on? All this stuff, right? But I'm so excited because we had this, this Missions Month. And, and Lane, is Lane here this morning? Uh, he's not here this morning? Okay, I wanted to pick on Lane for a minute. Um, next week, next Sunday, Lane Whitefield is going to be giving a report right here uh, about uh, the work 
uh, in India. And then after that, on the 22nd, guess what? We get to hear Galen and Deborah Boyd. Did I get that right? That's the following Sunday. They're going to be coming and they're going to be giving a report on the work that is going on in Kenya. That's going to be on the 22nd. And then on the 30th, Mr. Rui Diogo. Did I say that correctly? Huh? Rui. Hui. Okay. See, I haven't met him yet. i got to correct me on this. But Mr. Diogo will be here on the 30th. Let me tell you something. I'm super excited about this. Well, you can ask my wife. One of the things that I was so excited about in our earlier years was mission work. My wife and I almost took a work in Nigeria for five years. We never were able to raise the funds. But for many, many summers in our early years before we had kids, that changes a few things, we went to Africa. We went to Ivory Coast. We went to Guinea. We went to Tanzania. We went to Nigeria. We were doing work all over the place. I love it. You know why? Because when you hear from those missionaries, let me ask you a question. Does it not stir you up a little bit? Does it stir you up when you hear the stories about what God is doing and you hear people coming to Christ in ways that you're like, man, I wish I could experience some of that here. Let me ask you a question. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What kind of missions are we engaged in here in Snyder, Texas? See, to me, Jesus made clear, this is the mandate that he gave us. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. As a church, are we doing that? And let's be honest, the answer is no. Now, individually, there's a lot going on. But I'm talking corporately and collectively as a church. We're not. So again, I want to announce something I'm very excited about. One of the things that we're working on also for this spring is a new ministry that I'm calling Kingdom Gathering. Kingdom Gathering. And the purpose for this ministry will be simply one thing. And that is to follow the mandate that Jesus gave us. To be the light. To be the kingdom. To gather disciples for His name. This is a ministry where if, if, if you feel the Lord stirring and you want to be a part of this, and I pray that you will be, this will be a ministry where we will pray and fast together. And we will seek the Lord for His guidance to open up doors of opportunity for us to share the gospel. This will be a ministry where we will get out into the streets. We will go around into the neighborhoods, into all the houses that literally surround this church. And we will look for ways to serve with purpose the people who surround us all the, all the time, all around our neighborhoods. We'll look for ways where we can find persons of peace. What is that? Well, Luke chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 tells us that when you're walking and cooperating with the Holy Spirit and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself will let you in on specific key people that he's already been working on in the Snyder community. The only thing is, is that we've got to be on our knees and listening so we can find those people. We're going to do that. We'll start Bible studies with these people. We will introduce them and their whole families to the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's my goal. Here's something that I would love to see next January. Next January, when we have Missions Month again, when we have all the missionaries come and give their reports, I want Snyder Church, of, I, want, I want Eastside Church of Christ to give a report as well. And so that we can give a report and show the things that we've been able to do for the Lord in our own community. Can I have an amen on that one? 
So another area that I plan to focus on in terms of preaching and teaching this next year is on outreach. And what do we want to do? Well, primarily, firstly, we need to outreach to our own families. How many of you this right now, show of hands, have people in your own family or extended family who needs to know the love of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. No, raise them big high. I want everyone to see the hands. Look around you. Jesus said the fields were white for harvest. Church, listen. You're standing in the fields right now. You're standing in them. And they're white for harvest. And it begins with the people that God has put in our sphere of influence. And then secondly, we want to take the gospel to literally our neighborhoods around the church, the people that live all around us. So here's a question I want to ask. And you don't have to raise your hand this time. But I want you to be thinking about this over the next couple of months. Is God stirring you in your heart right now to do something more for His kingdom? How many people did you lead to the Lord last year? Put the number in your head. Write it in your mind. How many people did you bring to the Lord last year? You see the number? Would you like to have that number bigger next year? Amen? Amen. So, as we get ready to wrap up, that's the vision that the Lord has laid on my heart for this next year, for 2023. And I'm going to ask you to be in prayer. I want you to pray for our elders. Listen, these men, they all love the Lord with all of their hearts. But they're busy men, just like your busy families. And they're trying to shoulder the weight of the congregation and the spiritual needs of this church a lot of times while working and while being busy with many other things. Our elders need your prayers. And guess what? So do their wives. I want you to pray for our deacons, for all the many works and often unpraised and unsung heroes that we have known as our deacons and their wives and the many things that they do. I want you to pray for Luke and Catherine. They have these beautiful children, one brand new little baby one. They work with the young people here. Let me tell you something. Luke's a good man. Pray for him. I want you to pray for all the families that are here in this church. Because I still believe with all of my heart the same thing that I said last year, and that is God is doing something new. And He's doing something big here in Snyder. Before we close, there's one last thing I want to say concerning this mission and vision for the church. And it's something that I mentioned last year. It's something that I want to mention again. You know, time is very precious. The book of James says it like this. He says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Isn't it true that so often we don't think that way? We get so busy in our jobs, our families, our extracurricular activities, all the many busy things that we have on our to-do list. And so often we just assume that today is going to be like yesterday and tomorrow is going to be like today and life is just going to continue on the way that we've always just kind of expected it to continue on. And you know, that's a very privileged way of thinking. And I think it's probably because of our great wealth it's because of the immense power that we have in this nation called the United States of America. It is absolutely because of the privilege that you and I carry every single day. 
that we just assume that life is always going to be the same as it's always been. One of the things that I cannot forget is the fact that the first time ever in my life, and I told you this last year, and it's sad to say, but I'm very, sad, very glad to say it now, I believe that I have a calling here. I believe that God brought us here for a purpose. And I, I shared with you last year some very strange things. It's very hard for some people to accept, but there were many dreams and visions that the Lord gave our family, some of which came true the way the Lord showed them to us, and it was because of those very things that we came to this congregation. There were other dreams and visions that he showed me that have not happened as of yet. But if you remember, I told you this last year that I felt a great purpose here and that one of the purposes that God has for me and for our family and for this congregation is to position ourselves for revival, for something that God is going to do. And I will tell you, in this last year that I've been here, my wife and I, we've probably met at least eight other separate families, most of which God has also brought to West Texas. Why? Because God has also shown them the same thing. I will tell you again this year, the same as I said last year, God is going to do something new. Now I'm going to give you a warning. The Lord also showed me, and it has not happened as of yet, that there are very difficult times coming for the United States of America. And I will say it from the pulpit. There is persecution eventually. I don't know when. The Lord has not told me when. But there is persecution that is going to come to the church in America. Where and when, I do not know. But when I asked the Lord for a theme for this next year, for 2023, I was in my office. I was in 95.5 time for two hours. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to say to the church this coming Sunday morning? I heard a simple phrase. On your knees in 2023. And then I heard a verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse uh, 11. And I know, I know, I know, if, if you've studied that verse, it's taken out of context all the time. I get that. But the reason why the Lord brought that verse to me is because I believe that he's wanting all of us to study that verse in its context. Because I believe the context of Jeremiah 29, verse 11 is going to be very important for us as a church as we move into these times that I'm talking about. I'm going to let you do that on your own. Now, I don't have time to get into Jeremiah 29. I'm going to let you get into that on your own. But I truly believe this next year is going to be so important for us, individually and collectively as a church. I believe that God is calling us to be on our knees this next year. I feel a sense of urgency in the Holy Spirit for the church in ways that I've never experienced before. And I believe that God wants to take us deeper as a church this year to truly grow in our relationships with each other, to rekindle the fire within us, to be on mission for Him, to begin engaging intentionally with our families and communities around us, and to be a people eager to spread God's word to all the people around us in our community. In America, we still deal with so much religion. We still deal with so much wealth and opulence. We still struggle with so much religiosity. Let me tell you something. When I talk about these warnings, I get a lot of people that turn off their ears. Don't turn off your ears. Because I believe that one of the things that God is going to do with the difficulties that are coming is He's going to refine the church. You've heard the old preacher illustration many times that when you put gold in the fire, what happens to it? It burns off the dross, but it makes the gold pure. And when you put it in the fire, it makes it shine. For far too long, we in the church in America have not shined the way that we've needed to shine. We have been so full of sin and so full of mockery, and so full of following ourselves instead of following Jesus. And I pray 
that when these times come, and they will, that we will shine. I believe that is God's vision that He's placed in my heart for this next year. I pray that you will remain in prayer around all of it. And I'm going to do this. because I feel the Lord just on, my, on me right now. Um, I'm going to give an invitation. And I realize that, that some of us are getting older and joints ain't the way they used to be. But I'm going to kneel up here. Okay? And if anyone else wants to come and kneel with me and pray, in a moment we're going to have an invitation song. Elders, deacons, whoever, the elders and deacons are wise, if you want to come up here and pray with people who are coming up to kneel, if anyone comes up and joins me, feel free. If you can't kneel and you just want someone to come to you, raise your hand. We'll come to you. But make this your invitation as together we stand and sing.